I'm excited to have a man who has had immense influence on my life more than any other person. He and my mother have had the most influence in my life. You are very fortunate if what you see your parents live at church, if they live it at home. And for me, that was very normal growing up. And for some people, it's not. Some people, it's not. It's a show. When you go to church, you act holy, you shout, you do this, you do that, you go through the religious calisthenics, they go home, and it's not the same person. But I'm happy to say that, that who you see my father to be here at church, that's exactly who he was uh, when I was growing up. And he's even more Christ-like than I remember he, that he was when I was, was a little guy. And I appreciate him so much. He's a wonderful teacher. He knows the Word of God. He instilled in me a, a love for God's Word, a love to really know it and live by it and to love Jesus. And I appreciate him so much, along with my mother. She's the tender side, loving side. He's tender and loving too. But he knows how to really get your attention with that finger growing up. He really knew how to get your attention. He had that look. So would you give him a, an applause and welcome him up here? Very much. Man, you know, listening to him say that regarding the Word of God, that I instill within him a desire to know the Word of God, I think back, you know, who put it in me? My dad. My mom and my dad put it in me to have that desire for the Word of God. Nothing else was as important as, as serving God in their lives. Nothing else was as important as serving God. And what a wonderful, wonderful thing to look at somebody, especially in this day and time, and say, they're real. They're real. This is the real deal. These people really love God. They really love God. Everybody, everybody here in here, you've seen, you've seen the hypocritical. You've seen those folks, you know, wherever it may be, maybe even in the church, you've seen that. Oh, how, how God needs folks to be real, to be sold out to him, to have the love of God in their lives, permeating, saturating their lives, and flowing out, emanating from them to a lost and dying world. How the world needs that. Pastors have been talking about the, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. Uh, I'm not going to preach at you here tonight, but I, I want to share, I want to encourage, I want to try to minister, to serve you regarding this thought of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I want you to think right now at the outset, right now at the outset, this, 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 let this be your thought throughout, throughout this message, throughout this study. Have you been baptized? Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit with the initial physical evidence of speaking in other tongues? That's what I want you to roll around in your mind as we go through this, this night tonight. And, and you know, the, sadly... The experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, in my opinion, has been almost dumbed down to something that the Holy Spirit is not. A sweetness, how precious He is, what He does in your life, what He produces in your life, what He's trying to produce in your life has been dumbed down to actions and a look and a certain, a certain way of being religious, so to speak. 
and, and, and are being loud, you know, are having to act a, a certain way, act Pentecostal, you know, I, whatever it is. I, I am a searcher of truth. I'm not tr- interested in anything, anything that is manipulative. I don't, I'm not interested in anything that's a put on. I want the truth in my life. We're supposed to be truth seekers. I can't say I'm really seeking the truth in my heart and life, and yet I may fall into manipulation or allow myself to be manipulated. I remember remember growing up, and you're going to hear a lot about growing up here tonight, but... uh, you know, you have to grow in the Lord. You have to grow mentally as well as physically and certainly spiritually. I gave my heart to the Lord at a very young age, six years old. But I remember as I grew in the Lord and, and certain things that are happening, whether it's in a church service or whatever, and you're thinking, well, I'm sub- I need to do that. I need to jump up and down. I need to do this. I need to do that. And I won't go into the, <laughs> what my little mind would think on some of those certain things, but I, be, I have so most certainly learn better than that. Understanding what the Holy Ghost is trying to do in a person's life. What he's trying to do in a person's life. I, I, I'm just reminded sometimes when you think that, that uh, first century Jewish men, Christians, to think that we would put them into some type of modern American service and think they acted like this. I'm just being honest. Whatever that, whatever that is, to think that this is the pattern. This particular pattern right here. Of, of the last 120 or 30 years or so of modern Pentecostalism, that this is how those, that first century church acted. You understand what I'm getting at? I'm not interested in any kind of a, I, I want the Lord. I want the reality of Jesus. So I say all of that, say this, Holy Ghost is real. He, my mother would tell me constantly when, when I was in junior high and as I was beginning to, to, to learn and grow and understand things, they were constantly talking to me about the Word of God. And it was constant in the house. My mom began to instill within me, Stephen, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You need to be baptized in the Spirit. And I would hear her majority of the time when the mornings, when, 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 she, when I'd be woke, woken up from the, when I was a baby, when very little, that I can remember I'd hear her. She would go into this little bathroom there in Terrell Park in this little house, and she'd go in that bathroom, and that was, that was her closet. And I'd hear her in there just praying, crying out to God, and speaking in tongues. It was just such a natural thing. Just such a natural thing. It was just constant. My mom and my dad both. And I think of that to this day. I think of that often, often. It's a part of me. Not out of sentimentality. I don't want to be maudlin here tonight. But not out of sentimentality. It's the reality of what God was and what that did to me. And it made me want to serve God. So I'm going to read some accounts here out of the book of Acts. Virtually every account. Now, you can read along with me. Go to Acts chapter 2. You're all familiar with this. In fact, we won't even read it. We know that. Now, I'm heading somewhere here tonight, so bear with me. Acts chapter 2. We know what happened there. Jesus has given them the command to go back to Jerusalem. Go to Jerusalem and wait, tarry, on what they do not know. He tells them, wait for the promise of the Father. You know, and, and he gives them some clues and some inklings. But he says, and after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, when he begins to let them know and understand what's going to happen, they don't, they don't understand how, you'll receive power. And that, that word power, and people have a lot of, there's a lot of connotation in people's minds regarding the power. But the, the ability, the efficiency, 
the, the, uh, way, the, the means of being. You know, Jesus says, you will be witnesses of me. Not so much what you do, but what you become, what you are on the inside. And then out of what you are, you do stuff. If, if you are something, then what comes out of your life, you will do things. It just happens. It just works that way. The good man, out of his heart, out of that treasure of his heart, brings forth good things, Jesus said. That evil man, out of that, out of that evil heart, and all that's going on in that dark place, what comes out? Dark stuff. So we want to be controlled by God. We want to be led by him. We want what comes out of us to be godly. And it's not for some type of, forgive me, y'all. It's not for selfish motives, although knowing the Lord is a wonderful, pleasurable thing, absolutely. But for Jesus, he died for he so loved the world that he gave. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. What? For the world. It's, and how does he do that? He does that through us. That's what he wants us to become. Uh, it's not some attempt, you know, to, to be the so holy, I'm holier than everybody else. You know, it's not some type of competition, but to be what God wants me to be. That if I'm able, am I humble, this humble little mind and spirit to be an example to someone, to lead someone to Jesus. Acts chapter 2 then, we get there to chapter 2 in the upper room. And you know, those folks have been waiting there for a good long while. Fifty days after the Passover, the day of Pentecost, a pastor dealt with that here recently. The Holy Spirit fell. They had no clue what was going on. They had no clue what was going to happen. The Spirit of God fell. They began to speak in other tongues. We know the sound of the rushing mighty wind, the tongues of fire. Listened in their own tongue and began to hear all this glorification of God in their own tongue. And the Bible says they were just marveled. They they just, what in the world is going on here? They knew it was odd. But this was so amazing. What a, what a miracle, a sign. And others, of course, you know, were looking and thinking, man, these people literally, they said they've got to be drunk. You know, and, Paul, and Peter says it so early in the day, nobody's drunk. And he, and he says, well, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit since then? And so they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Verse 3, and he said to them, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. Verse 4, then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on the Christ, on Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They weren't familiar with the entire completion of the gospel at this point. Only John's, John's version of what had happened and was going to happen and what they, they'd heard there. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And look, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. They also magnified. When it says they prophesied, it just means they use their voices. They're speaking in tongues and they're also using their, I'm using my English. Lord, I love you. I love you. Thank you. God, you're so good. You're so wonderful. They're magnifying God. And they're speaking in tongues. Now look at verse 7. How many were there? Thousands? Now the men were only what? About 12. Just 12 people. God's just concerned about those two or twelve as he is the thousands. He is the thousands. This is so important. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is for every believer. Here tonight and in any situation ever, you and you alone know your heart. You and you alone know your mind. I've listened to a lot of the talk on the news 
and there's so, so much going on. It's wonderful to know that in my mind, I don't have a problem with racism. I don't have a problem with racism. Man, that, that's precious. That's what God does for a person. And I've seen it in many, many individuals. A hatred. I've seen white folks with such a hatred for black people. I mean, a hatred. I've seen black folks with hatred for white people. But let, let God come into that heart. So it changes, doesn't it? It changes completely. You know, I don't have a problem. We're, we're different. Cultures are different across the world, societies. But God puts a love in your heart. But then, and then I see all the turmoil that has transpired since all of this. You know, horrible, horrible thing will happen to George Floyd. Ridiculous. It's, it's utterly, utterly ridiculous. Ain't nobody in their right mind with a, a, a tiny sense of, of uh, care could, could watch that video if you have and not be just blown away and concerned. Uh, so bad. And then, you know, sin begets sin, you know. And now, and then the other hand, you've got all these innocent people. I forget how many people have been killed in the riots. Many of them black folks. Black, uh, five bl- wonderful black people, you know. And, and it just goes on and on and on. It's no end. And the world acts like they know. And they have a solution. And, they, and, and you just watch. And anybody, anything that can be helped, I'm for it. That's great. But where does it come down to? It comes down right here in Steve Morgan. It comes right, right there in your heart. That's the only thing. That's the only thing that can really change situations in life. And I, I, the subject, uh, I saw a headline. It was Christian Marxism. I had to read that. It's not the way you think. This person was in depth showing how there's no such thing. There's no such thing as Christian Marxism. And, and, and talking about how the church has, has become just so weak and afraid to speak the truth, you know, politically correct and whatever. But one statement this person made was, if there's going to be equality, a true equality, you know, somewhere, somebody's, it's, it's got to be a sense of reality for somebody. It has to be a real thing emanating. It can't be just, just be put on. And when you read in the book of Acts, those early, early uh, Christians says they brought everything together and you know why they did that in common they had their their money they they even threw money together in a pot they sold land and put the money together all these things like this you know why they did that not because anybody told them to they volunteered to do that why it was in their heart to do that you can't go forcing somebody you give me what you've got and you give it to this person it's never going to work that way because that requires what power that somebody has to hold on someone else. If, if everything is equal, somebody is dealing out that power. Somebody's dealing out that. You know, what I'm getting at is, and you see, it has to be something from the heart. I don't want to give to people. I don't want to be generous to people because, well, I have to. I want to give to people because I love them. I want to give to people because it's in my heart to give. I want to be generous because I love them. I want to give that tip not just because they did such a great job waiting on my table, but because maybe this person doesn't know God. Maybe I can show kindness. Maybe I can be kind and talk sweet to them. Maybe they're even rude, but maybe they don't see the love of God. That's what it has to be in our hearts. Only you know what's going on in your heart right now. Now let me ask you this, and this is not presupposing. It's a simple question that we all must ask ourselves. Is there this deep, 
deep sense of longing and yearning for more of God in your heart and in your life. I don't know that it can be explained any simpler. I really don't know that it can. A deep sense of longing. Lord, more of you. More of you. More of you. The older I get, the more I realize how much more I need him. How much more I need him. One of the greatest experiences of my Christian life, I was at work, and it was on a night And that particular night, as many nights, as Ernest could tell you back here, there's not a lot to do out of those plants. He's grinning and shaking his head. And the way it all worked out, I was in this little, what amounted to a little shack type deal. And we had computers in there. We were free to to get on there and read, do what we wanted to do, search the internet. So I, I was reading the Bible. And that night, I read the entire book of Hebrews. I sat there and I just read it through. And I, this, is, this is probably maybe 12 years ago. I sat there and I read that through. And I, came, I, I sat there in that chair and nobody else was around. And I just, I just it, it was so real to me what Christ had done for us. Reading that book of Hebrews, this, this better, 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 all through that book, better covenant, what Jesus has done for us and what he went through for us. It's one thing to be done wrong, but it's another thing to be done wrong and know, I'm perfect. I've done nothing wrong. None of us can say that. But can you imagine? You know how it feels when you've been done wrong? And you're thinking, wow, I love you. I'm only trying to help you. And, and that, that's turned away. You know, you're, you're, you're ostracized or, or whatever, not accepted. That hurts. Well, how, can you imagine Jesus, how he must, what he went through? And those feelings and emotions he went through for all of humanity, not just the physical pain. That's, that's enough. But what he went through knowing, I have nothing but love for you, and you're doing this to me. And you're doing this to me. Is there a deep, deep longing in your heart? I, I read that book of Hebrews that night. I, I, I literally have never been the same. Uh, we all have those times, those, uh, you could call them epiphanies, so to speak. I love God with all my heart, but it was just so precious. Just really comprehending what Christ went through. For all of humanity and for me, you, yourself. The Bible says examine yourselves, Paul said, to see whether you be in the faith. And I don't mean, you know, it could mean, are you backslid? Certainly it could mean that, but it can also mean, hey, are you where you're supposed to be? Are you growing? Are you growing in the Lord? Are, are, you, where you, are you further along than you were five years ago? God forbid, are you further along than you were 20 years ago? Where, where are you at with me? God says to each one of us tonight. When I was a little guy, my brother was and still is seven years older than me. In fact, as long as we live, he'll always be seven years older than me. And he started, man, I guess it was maybe, maybe freshman year or something like that. He started getting interested in bodybuilding. I guess a lot of boys, most boys go through that. And... So the, the rage was a man by that, this was in the early 70s, believe it or not, was Arnold Schwarzenegger. He won Mr. Olympia, I think, five times. You know, he had come on the scene. And I actually remember that as a little kid, even then, you know. And uh, my brother never did quite look like Arnold, but, but he, he 
was interested. So I got up in junior high. My mom got me a weight set when I was in the seventh grade for Christmas one year. Those little, those little crummy little bars with the plastic waist that were filled with sand. <laughs> yeah, that's a fact. Anyway, and I started out, I started out, yes, I haven't always looked like this. I started in the seventh grade. <laughs> but Arnold Schwarzenegger was still around by the time I was in high school. And he had a book that came out, and I bought that book, and I read that book. And boy, it helped. But anyway, <laughs> one thing I, I literally, I sincerely remember to this day, one little phrase he said, and it was this, stay hungry. Stay hungry. Now, he was relating it to the person who was trying to work out, get their body in shape. And for most of us, it's hard to get rid of this fat. It is difficult. We all can relate to that. And so he's going through all of the, you know, the way these guys eat. It's just so crazy. It's ridiculous the way they eat. They eat so good. They eat so clean. And they eat large amounts of food, but it's the right foods. But one of the things he actually says in his philosophy of this bodybuilding, he says, always stay a little hungry. Stay hungry. Don't ever satiate yourself. Always stay hungry so that you won't you know, you, you're not always adding too many calories. Just, just, just think of yourself that way. Stay hungry. And I, I always remembered that back then. Never could do it. I never could, could stay hungry. I don't, I don't, I, very, I, I remember very few times in life, seems like, well, I was hungry. You know, it's always the other way around. I think most of us could probably say that. But I've remembered that, and I've never forgot it, and I've always put it in the spiritual, so to speak. And my mom, of course, my mom would always tell me that, Stephen. Never let that hunger die. Never let that hunger die. And look at yourself. Assess yourself. Where are you at with God today? Where are you at with God today? So where, where Schwarzenegger was saying, deprive yourself a little bit so you're not always eating too much. We know we can't deprive ourselves of the Lord. We don't want to do that. But, oh, we certainly always do want to stay hungry, don't we? Go to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. And I'm going to turn there too. Luke chapter 1. Skip down to verse 46. This is what is known as Mary's song. She, she has gone to Elizabeth's house, and she now knows she is going to have this baby. This who will be the Messiah. And she has this sense of elation now and what is going on. And this is her song. This is her outward expression of what's going on, what she feels at this moment, at least that's recorded here in her heart and in her mind. And I want you, I want you to pay attention here because this all fits in what she says. Verse 46, and Mary said, this is in the presence of Elizabeth, she says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. For he has regarded, look at this, the lowly state of his maidservant. And, for, and behold, henceforth, from, the, from now till forever, everyone, all generations, will call me blessed. She understands this will be a ma major deal for the entire world. But look at verse 49. For he, he who is mighty has done great things for me, 
and holy is His name. And His mercy is on those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with His arm. Now look at, verse, look at the rest of this verse, 51. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted who? The lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich, he has sent away empty. He has filled the hungry with good things. Mary, out of her heart, recognized this, this hunger, this hunger and this thirst. And he says, she says, what did God do? He has filled the hungry with good things. Skip over to Matthew, or go backwards to Matthew. Chapter 5. Here we have, again, something Pastor referenced a few minutes ago. The Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. We're all so familiar with these. Verse, chapter 5, verse 1. And seeing the multitudes, Jesus went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. This is not the crowd. He has left the crowd. This is the disciples. So you can say this is to his people. This is not for the world. The world can't act this way. For, for the world to read the Beatitudes, it's just some nice principles. It, it, they, they, they don't understand this. This is spiritually discerned. You, you can look at this and try to practice it, but this comes from knowing God. And this is the model. This is, he said, this is what you are supposed to be. Seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. When he was seated, his disciples came to him, that he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those, you're all familiar with this, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And the rest of it is just wonderful also. There's no room here, is there, for pride? There's no room here for arrogance. There's no room here for self-assertion or self-dependence. Man, this is a total humility. But how wonderful. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And that means God's way of doing things, for being right with him, for God's way of doing things. Lord, I want you. I want your will. And in this verse, I know it's not a specific reference to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but that principle is there. To be hungry, to be thirsty, to the point of desperation, I must have more. I must have more of you, Lord. Matthew 6.33, you can all quote this along with me. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these other things will be added unto you. Now let me ask you another specific question. How hungry are you? How Nobody sees your heart. Nobody, nobody sees it. Nobody knows up you. Nobody knows it but me. How hungry are you? That, that's something to ask yourself. How hungry am I? How long have you been saved? How long have you known the Lord? Let me ask you this. Have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? And that's not some point of, of uh, condemnation. This is an encouragement. This is for your benefit, for my benefit. And let me ask you this. Why would you not? Why would you not seek to be baptized in the Holy Ghost? Why would you not 
And I can think of some reasons offhand where people not, might want to put, people might not want to put themselves in search, certain situations in a church service. I very sincerely can understand that. You know, uh, people that, that get in full gospel Pentecostal services sometimes, they haven't been around that, man. They're wondering, what in the world is going on here? Uh, sometimes I think, you know, and some of the stuff that's going on is, is fleshly, without question. But all that aside, why would anyone, why would you not want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? I'm going to recount a few instances just as a matter of encouragement here. My own life, my own self. I was 15 years old when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. My mother, again, my mother and my dad, but I just saw this reality of God around the house. It was, it, it's, it's almost, uh, if, people, if people had could see what I li- how that they were, <laughs> they would probably, I don't know, they would probably think, God, you guys are so strange. Uh, my dad never came to one of my football games. He could barely throw a football. He just didn't, never, never involved in sports. All he ever did was work. Nothing along with his football. He just, all he did was work. That's all he knew. Born in the Depression, raised in the Depression. That's all he knew. Wonderful father, wonderful Christian man, learned so much from him. But that was just, you know, but he didn't, I could care less that he didn't come to my football game. In fact, it never even entered my mind. It's, I know that's odd. But they were so precious, such precious people. And what I saw was so real. I began to develop that own, own hunger in my life as I got older, got in junior high. Man, I, I began to realize I need the Holy Ghost. I, I, the Holy Spirit is, yes, for young people. And I would see other young people here and there, you know, that would begin to seek the Lord. And I remember I just, I, I developed again, and, and talking to Kimberly here a few weeks ago, she described it herself, I just became so desperate. You just become so hungry it, it, for more of you, Lord, more of you, Lord, more of you. And I did that myself, and I, I, it was months and months and months. I, I don't remember exactly. I, I, did not, I wish I would have written it down how long I went getting closer to the Lord, seeking the Holy, really realizing my need. And at youth camp, when I was 15 years old, summer I got out of the ninth grade, on a Monday night, my brother was baptized in the Holy Spirit, and my sister-in-law were baptized in the Holy Spirit on the same night in a wonderful service. Thursday night, I went down to the altar just crying, weeping, Broken before God, Lord, I, I, just more of you, more of you. And, and it, it just, just such a wonderful experience. And the minister who was there at that time, some of you would remember that name, Cletty Keith. But the minister was there, and he stopped the service. He stopped the music. He said, you know, I, I walked down here, and he said, I heard some of you, you know, begging, begging God. And he said, and I don't mean this fits every time. But he said, he said, I'll tell you what I want you to do. From your heart, just lift your hands. And just start thanking God for what he's done for you. That so resonated with me. My little 15-year-old mind and heart. And I did that. Man, and it was just, just, and John Rich was behind me. And John, not in a wheelchair at that point. And John Rich was down there praying with us all. And he was praying behind me. And he, John reached over when, he, when Brother Keith said it. And he put his hands on me. And, and just like that, the Spirit of the Lord fell upon me. I, you know, why then? Why not before? I don't know. Don't know. Don't always have the answers. Don't know. But I can just tell you, I know I was hungry. And I began to speak in tongues. Just flowed, rolled out of me. And I've never have it, had this happen before or since. But I literally, you see a lot of junk and you see a lot of fake people, guys. And I know that's the case. I got up from that altar after I don't know how long. I literally physically could not hardly walk. I, I hate to use any description or term of that, 
the way it's been mishandled. But I was so overwhelmed with the presence of the Lord, I couldn't hardly walk. I walked back to the kitchen area, and I had, I had to call my mom. I had to let my mom know. Mom, I got filled with the Holy Ghost. I got baptized in the Spirit tonight. And I got on that phone, and Clifford, of the castle, was there in the kitchen. Don't realize it. Didn't realize it then. He's working. He's cleaning up. He's working. And he's back there, and it's somewhat dark in that little kitchen area. And I'm on the phone, crying, telling my mom, still speaking in tongues, because I can't. She's just so wonderful. And Clifford's over there crying with me. You know, he's over there crying with me. My mother, she saw it for many years. You heard Pastor recount it here somewhat recently. She was in a service years and years ago. I guess you were born, right? You, you were little in the 50s. He was born in 54. My dad was working evenings. He was getting off at 11. My mother had salt and salt and salt. Again, I don't understand. I, I, you know, some people very quickly, there's a lot, of, a lot of factors, I think, involved there. God's not holding the carrot out in front of us. But I think it's sometimes our hunger, our yearning to yield and, and, and give ourselves to him and receive but uh, she received the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. She lay there overjoyed, you know, just so overwhelmed by the presence of the Lord. She just lay there. The guys from, from church had to go to Mobile Oil and pick up my dad because my mom couldn't do anything. She just lay in there, just, just overwhelmed by the presence of the Lord. And what a wonderful experience, what a wonderful experience. And, and, there, and these experiences are not all the same. And that's not the point I'm trying to say. These are just words of encouragement, just words of encouragement. Just be hungry for the Lord. Just be hungry for the Lord. And my mother used to hear Brother Turnage recount this on many occasions. I've heard him on many occasions from the pulpit talk about going to see my mom when she was dying of cancer, going to the hospital and going there to, to see her to help her, to pray for her, to try to lift her up, to give her some encouragement. In his own words, he says, man, and I come out of there encouraged. And her words were, Brother Robert, did I ever tell you about the time when I got filled with the Holy Ghost? And she's going to recount that. And it was such a wonderful, wonderful thing in her life. My wife, I won't go into all that. She gave her testimony not too long ago in a women's Bible study. She's at home. We're young. We're dating. I'm a little more mature than she is. Let's just say she's immature. I, all of a sudden, she started loving me, liking me, loving me, liking me a lot, whatever. And all of a sudden, my mind got really in a very serious way, y'all. I know it sounds funny, or it looked me. That's why I always take young people serious. I always take these relationships very serious. You never know what's around the corner. But I knew, you know, she was such a precious girl. She's just, she's just this child. But... Once I got serious about her, I began to think and realize she's not mature in the Lord. I know that's young and we're immature, but you understand my little old heart. I was very, and I thought, what if, when I saw how serious it was getting, I thought, what if she really doesn't get serious with God? What if I get stuck in this relationship where, man, we're crazy about each other, and then five years down the road, she's still not really serious about the Lord? Uh, and for whatever you may think about that, it was dead serious to me at the time. And it, it was, I was very serious about it. And, you know, and the little story is there's a lot of detail involved. I broke up with her and, and left her standing at the door crying, saying, we've seen too much of each other. <laughs> she had no clue. She didn't know what was going on. And it's funny now, but God knows. Because, let's see, she would have been 
15, I guess it was 15, maybe 16 at that time. And some things that were happening in her life, in, in the life of her family, she felt totally alone, totally alone. But you know what it did to her? And God knows, man, she, she said, you know what? Steve or no Steve, I'm going to give everything to God. I'm going to devote my life to Jesus completely, wholeheartedly. And she did as never before, all by herself, all on her own. Now you understand why I say I don't look at young people like it's just some little immature thing. You take them serious. I do. And so she, she began to get serious, and I began to watch. I would see her in church. Man, she moved up several pews. I see her now during the singing. She's raising her hands. She's singing. She's worshiping. There, a seriousness came upon her like I've never seen. And, and the wonderful, beautiful thing about this, sincerely, it had nothing to do with me. I was out of the picture. It's so beautiful now looking back on what God did. And she drew close to the Lord, close to the Lord. And as, as it turned out, quite a bit later, I guess a year and a half, we did get back together. And she's kept, she kept that hunger. She kept that thirst. And one night, shortly after that, after we got back together, and some things straightened out in our lives spiritually and maturely and maturing, she calls me on the phone. And she's crying, and she's, she's speaking in tongues. She's crying, speaking in tongues, crying, speaking in tongues. And she, I just got baptized in the Holy Ghost in my bedroom by myself, praying to the Lord. You know, then she says, get your mom, get your mom on the phone. And my mom came to the phone. You heard the testimony of this other daughter-in-law, Kimberly. Quite a few years, quite a few years seeking. I don't understand all that. Don't, I, I've heard people try to give explanations, try to people act like they know what it is, or you're not doing this right, you're not doing that right. Well, I can tell you what, just stay hungry. Just stay hungry. Just, just yearn, yearn, yearn for more of God. We had a Bible study at our house. I'm winding this up. From 2006 for eight years, starting in 2006, a wonderful time, one of the most wonderful times of my life. It will never be repeated. It just it can't happen that way. Young people were coming to the house, started out with a simple little Bible study with my, my kids. And then it turned in a few more of their friends and a few more of their friends. Some of those, a bunch of those friends are here tonight. A few more and a few more. I, I, I lost count. I, I started keeping a tab at one point, And I lost count when 120 different individual young people had come through that living room for Bible study. And many of them regularly, I'm telling you the truth, regularly. But it was a wonderful, wonderful time. <laughs> Most of these young people were not Christians. They were not Christians. They were coming because their friends were coming. Or, and some of these kids had gotten saved, and they were seeing such a change in their lives, and they were coming. And, you know, I just tried my best just to make Jesus real, to make the Word of God real in simplicity, to make Christ real, and His love for you and your need for Him, and, and what Christ can do for you, not like a Santa Claus you know, that's going to make everything, give you everything you want. But this reality of there's, a, there's a, a God who loves you and you can know him. And one of the young men, Trent Arnold, had grown up with my boys, had played ball with them. He was raised Church of Christ. I love Church, Church of Christ, folks. Raised Church of Christ. He'd been around Stephen. He'd been around Jonathan. And he, he started coming to the Bible study. He had been away at college. He started coming, coming to Bible study. 
And talking to him later, he, he uh, you know, doctrinally, he had some differences with some of that. But he had given his life to the Lord. To, to whatever extent, to whatever his knowledge was, he had. And, and, and he professed that and his desire to live for God. But one of the Bible studies one night, in the course of my Bible study, I simply said, you know, talking about serving Christ and growing closer to Christ. And I said, and then I said, we draw closer to him. And I said, and then, and then it's the Lord's desire to baptize us in the Holy Spirit and to grow even closer to him. He came to me after that Bible study. He said, what is that? What are you talking about? And I remember just standing there and just sharing, just sharing, just, just, just simply sharing out, out of the Bible. Just explaining to him what it was, telling him where to read. He had more questions and more questions. And he knew he'd been around enough of these, these people who had experienced this wonderful baptism of the Holy Ghost to know these people are real. You know, there's something different here. There, there's a, 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 a fervency and a zeal that I don't really see in a lot of other places. And so long story short, he begins to seek the Holy Ghost. I told him, I said, man, you know, in your bedroom at night, pray. When you pray, pray. Pray to the Lord. I said, Lord, fill me with the Holy Ghost. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I forget how long, I do remember how long it was, but he calls up and he's telling us all. He's in his, he's, his mom is staying with him because I think he had an apartment while he was going to school, whatever the situation. He's upstairs and he's praying. He had been seeking the Holy Ghost. He had been praying, just drawing closer. Next thing you know, the Holy Spirit fell upon him and he is speaking in tongues and, and just this fluently coming out of him. He runs downstairs and tells his mom, who has no clue what's going on, Mom, you know what happened to me? You know what happened to me? I just got filled with the Holy Ghost. And what am I saying? Just stay hungry. Get hungry for the Lord. Andrew, last one, I'm almost done here, y'all. Andrew McCluskey became a friend of Jonathan's in school. Didn't go to the same high school. Andrew's father was a Baptist minister right there in Lumberton. And Andrew began, began coming to the Bible studies. Wonderful young man. Loved the Lord. Serving God. And he had had conversations with his father about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He began to hear us mention this. Began to know that we had experienced this. And he wanted to know more. And his father was very, very open to, to, to the, the reality of the Holy Ghost. So he started getting hungry. This is years, you know, we've, we've got the Bible study going on. This is once a night, every week. And Andrew, he left the house and he called back. He says, can I come back? This was after a Bible study. Can I come back? Sure, Andrew. And he comes back. It was me, mom, you, if I remember right, just, I don't remember who else was there. And he comes back and he says, I, I have to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And he had been seeking, seeking and man, we just started praying with him. Just started praying with him. And we prayed and prayed. He's just weeping and he's just broken before God. And I don't know how long we prayed. It's a, it a pretty good little while. And he can't hardly stand up. He's just so weak. And he's just standing there just, just loving the Lord, seeking the God. His heart is just so, you just tell, so urgent. Next thing you know, I had this went on for a while. Man, he just began to speak in tongues. He just, it just began to flow out of him. And he just, I don't know, he stood, I don't know, 20 minutes like that. He finally begins to wind down. And he stops and he's still just crying and he can't hardly talk. And he says, I want to pray again. <laughs> I want to do that again. That's all that's the way he knew to, to, to relate it. And he, we began to pray again and the Holy Spirit was there. And of course, it's just flowing out of him. 
the Holy Ghost is not about the tongues. Okay? We make that plain. We're not seeking a tongue. And, and, and you've, you've heard all the stuff people try to teach you what to say. Just say, tie my bow tie. Say it real fast. You know? Say, should have bought a Honda really fast. Should have bought a Honda. You know? All these crazy things. And I've seen it. I've actually seen it in ultra service. I've seen people do these type things. You know, it's not about a tongue. If you, get, if you buy shoes, the tongue comes with them. You've heard that saying. You get the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will, you will speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gives the utterance. But listen, what you want to do, and this is what I want you to consider here tonight. Are you hungry? Are you hungry? The Holy Ghost is always a complete gentleman. I don't care what people say. I, I don't care what people do. The Holy Ghost is a gentleman. And, and I, I've seen all types of things. And, you know, well, if you'll just run around and do, act crazy, God will feel with the Holy Ghost. You know, as if you've got to do something to merit this. No, that's, it's, it's not trying to merit it or I've got to do some kind of work for God to, to finally fill me. Are you hungry? He, his goal is not to embarrass you and make you do something weird. That's not his goal. And, 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 and the Holy Ghost is a perfect gentleman. He is represented as a dove in Scripture. He's also represented as fire, but that fire has nothing to do with yeehaw fire. That is a, a burning out of the dross and the garbage in our lives. And when people say, you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost and fire, you know, this is acting crazy. It has nothing remotely to do with that. Yes, there is a zeal and a fervency that comes with the Holy Spirit. In your private life, have you been filled with the Holy Ghost? If you have not, in your prayer life, seek God. Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Make that your great, great quest and desire. Lord, I need more of you. What is the pre prerequisite for the baptism of the Holy Spirit? What is it? One prerequisite. You got to know Jesus. That's it. I've seen people over the years, well, I'm just not really where I should be yet. Well, that's why you need the Holy Ghost. If you're born again, if you're having problems with temptation, if you're having problems overcoming the world, if you're having problems overcoming sin, that's why you need the Holy Ghost. He, he'll give you a greater desire to live for God, a greater desire to know Jesus. Amen? It's the truth. We're not going to get perfect in this world, but I can tell you, I can be hungry. I can be hungry. Stand with me if you would here tonight. Praise God. Let's just lift our hands and love Him for a moment. Will you do that with me? Everybody. I asked you some very, very pertinent, pointed questions directly to each one of us. Directly to each one of us. Where are we tonight? You may have been saved 50 years. You know, are you filled? Are you full of the Holy Ghost tonight? You may have been filled with the Holy Spirit 30 years ago at an altar somewhere. That's wonderful and good. Where do you stand tonight? Hallelujah. Come on, loving, worshiping. We love you, Jesus.